0: Alright, what's up y'all? Welcome back to the 7th episode of the Triple D's podcast. I'm Devin, of course, here with my boy David, my co-host, and today we're going to be breaking down games 1 and 2 of the NBA Finals. Uh, June 5th as of the day we we're recording this, the series tied up 1-1, to going to Miami. Uh, Denver took game 1 in a bit of a landslide, and then Miami won a close one in game 2. Uh, it's been a pretty interesting final so far. Uh, I've been really intrigued in both games and we're just going to break down everything that happened, all of the matchups, uh, who's playing good, who's not playing good, uh, some adjustments both teams have made. So we're, we're just going to go over all that, and um, I'm ready to go when you are, David. Yeah, let's get it started. All right, you can go ahead.
1: Yeah, so to start out, game one, uh, the Nuggets took this uh, game by 11 points. Um, Miami was very – they were obviously not good. Um, Max Struess didn't hit a single uh, free th- – free throw uh didn't hit a single field goal in this game uh, miami only shot two times and um, kayla martin also did not show up at all and um jimmy butler had a very quiet night 13 points so what do you see out of game one
0: I just saw what you saw. I saw a very bad game from the Miami Heat. I think it was a mix of both, and that's what led to the Nuggets uh, taking this one by a landslide. I saw a mix of the Nuggets uh, showing why they're the best team in the league, why they've been so dominant in these playoffs, and I've just, I have just saw a bad game from the Miami Heat. Um, nothing was going for anyone except Bam Adebayo. Uh, Bam was the only one doing anything all game. Jimmy Butler, I, I was really disappointed in what he did. 13 points, that's inexcusable. I mean... Like, if you, if you really, we can talk about this later, but if you really look at it, aside from, like, round one in a couple of games, he hasn't, like, had the best playoffs like some people are setting it out to be. Um, that could partially be due to his ankle injury he suffered in the Knicks series, but I don't want to get into that now. Um, Max Juice was terrible, missing wide open shots left and right, over for 9 from 3, I mean, that you just can't have that. Literally like there's their second option was Haywood Highsmith coming off the bench scoring 18 points like that That's something I would never expect and that's something you can't ha- have happen if you're gonna win the game And I mean from the get-go you could just tell that the Nuggets were they were ready to be there They, they were intense uh, all over and Aaron Gordon was the main spark of all that. He scored 10 points in the first quarter uh, I mean obviously in game two They made the adjustment to start Kevin Love, but they had uh, either Caleb Martin or Max Struess on him like during the times that's just not gonna work aaron gordon is a big body he's a strong guy and he was showing them he getting all these points in the paint easy uh back downs on those uh littler guys and that's just what led to it um you know they came out strong in the first half you know that, it was pretty much just miami was shooting very bad very poorly bam out was the only one doing anything he was hitting his jump drops which which it is good to see because he hasn't had the best playoff uh postseason but yeah, the Nuggets were just overall dominant in this one. I mean, uh, Michael Porter had 14, he played a pretty good game. Jokic had a 27-point triple-double. He was outstanding uh, everywhere on the floor. And then Jamal Murray also 26 points. Uh, you know, all-around good game from everyone and I just think the Nuggets were by far the better team in game 1.
1: Yeah, um in terms of the Nuggets side, like basically they won every single quarter, except for the fourth quarter. They almost uh they almost like really it, it really almost went bad there uh, because at one point, like, Miami was down 21 and they uh, but to 10, but and then my uh, Denver pulled away. And that game, too, um, yeah, like you said, Aaron Gordon was just bullying everybody in the paint. Um, he was kind of taken out of the game by, like, Malone kind of, like, wasn't really letting him get the ball as much. It was a little weird, but at the end of the day, you got the win. But, yeah, like, everyone was saying like, potentially that The 10 days of rest for the Nuggets could have been uh, detrimental for them, but clearly not. They showed that they were the better team that night. And, yeah, obviously, you know, most people know that it didn't carry on to the second game.
0: Yeah, I said that in our finals preview, that either one of them is going to happen in game one, either Miami is going to come off hot off their – after Game 7 win with just 2 days of rest and then the Nuggets are going to be slow because of how much rest they had or the Nuggets are going to just come out guns blazing because of all the rest they had and the Heat are going to look extremely slow due to the, uh, how tired they might be and that the latter happened um, just an overall ga- good game from the guys uh, Jimmy Butler, he did step it up in game 2 but that that it was pretty much all on him and I also want to bring up that the Miami Heat only shot 2 free throws that can't happen man, that, that, that can't happen in a game, like you have to attack the ring. they were shooting a lot of 3's and obviously they weren't hitting them. Max Strews 0 for 9. Duncan Robinson 1 for 5. Like, it, it just wasn't good at all for them. Uh, Gabe Vincent 5 for 10. Like, they didn't play that well overall the whole game. But they almost, they they got me scared in the 4th quarter there. They went on like a 11-0 run to start the 4th. And that's one thing we can get into where the Nuggets have been really bad in the 4th quarter. Not just this postseason, but especially this series. Because the Miami Heat's 4th quarter run in Game 2 is pretty much what well won Miami the game. But uh, yeah, they cut it down to like single digits, but then uh, they just like trade the baskets seriously. so silly. Um, so game one, I mean, there wasn't like too much in terms of like different narratives and stuff like that. But I mean, obviously, Aaron Gordon was feasting. Uh, Jokic was doing what everyone expected to. Jamal Murray, uh, he was great, and the Heat just did not play good at all.
1: And yeah, just to kind of uh, move a little bit into game two, uh, so like it was. It flipped basically like Miami the first game none of their role players were playing well at all uh and they both uh their two stars were very mediocre and then the next game Miami everyone contributes uh role players and bench uh and for the Nuggets well the only guy that showed up was Jokic um Jamal only had uh 18 points which was very decent but not enough and yeah so I'll let you uh, start game two
0: yeah, to start off game two. I mean, you could just tell from the get go that the Nuggets were not engaged at all. I mean, I I would just tell that whole time the Heat came out with with a high intensity. They were coming to, they were coming to win this game, and the Nuggets were not matching it at all. They went up uh, double digits early on. Uh, Bama Debio did the same exact thing he was doing in all the games. Max Strus was hitting his shots. They played horrible defense in that first half. They were leaving guys wide open left and right. I don't give a shit if Max Drew shoots 0 for 30, you gotta guard him, he's the best, he's the best or second best shooter on that team, and when he's on the floor, he's the best shooter, but obviously the main difference for the Miami Heat was starting Kevin Love in this game, Uh, every single playoff appearance he's had, he's been to the finals, he has an immeasurable amounts of experience in comparison to some of the other guys on this team and he came out He didn't let Aaron Gordon do anything Aaron Gordon scored 12 points this whole game But he didn't do much in the first quarter at all Especially when Kevin Love was on him because he's a bigger body on him and Kevin Love also contributed He only had six points, but he did have ten rebounds. Uh, he made some nice defensive plays So I think that was the big story for that, but Yeah, Miami just uh, dominated the first quarter. But then in the second quarter, I want to give a huge shout-out to Christian Brown. He came in the game. He is a freaking rookie. I don't care how old of a rookie he is, but you can tell. He won two high school state championships. He won the uh, national championship with Kansas last year. He came ready to play. He came in. He got, uh, like, three steals in a row. He had some fast break dunks. He had a tough finish. Uh, He scored a... Uh, six points in the whole game and he and they all came at a perfect time in that second quarter He played great. He sparked the whole run Bruce Brown hit some threes Then Jamal came in started cooking that wasn't even the Miami heat playing bad That was just the Nuggets doing what they're known to do getting on the run So that's what I saw in the first half and then the Nuggets ended up taking a, a Sizable lead at the end of the first half, but it was all Miami first quarter and then all Denver in the second
1: And yeah, so like in game two as well, um, it's they asked Jeff Green about this, who uh, you know has stated a lot that you know he just losing is the worst thing because um, you know at his age at his point of this his career, like he is really on the end of his career and he's trying to win a ring. He had a couple opportunities with LeBron and the Cavs uh, a couple years ago, but he was saying like it's ridiculous how um, efforts and um, how effort has been, like, in question when you're literally in the finals, when everything should be left on the floor, when you should be crawling off that court uh, because you have zero stamina, zero energy. And, yeah, like, the Nuggets, like, the second quarter, I see here, outscored the Heat 25-34. to Uh, The third quarter, they scored more as well, but, like, I don't get how this team just stopped playing aggressive. Like, they clearly kind of seemed a little like sorry for themselves and Michael Malone even like he asked the the guys when they went into the locker room after the game like why did we lose and it was because they just let Miami have more energy be more aggressive so um just really bad game like in at the beginning I could uh Jamal was not hitting shots either like those easy mid-ranges that he always makes especially in uh, this year in the playoffs so uh yeah and I could tell from the beginning, like this might be a a night where Jamal just scores like 12 and he ends up scoring 18, which is not much for how much you expect him to score uh, this late in the season.
0: Yeah, I agree. What I saw from the get go is that after Miami went up double digits, I knew that Jokic was going to have to have a monster scoring night if they wanted to win. And he did, but they still didn't win. I was extremely non-impressed with Michael Porter and Contavious Caldwell Pope's performances. They were horrible on both ends of the floor. Missing shots, uh, getting blown by on defense. KCP fouled three-point shooters multiple times. MPJ was getting destroyed on back cuts. He was getting blown by non-stop. And he just shot horrible uh, one for six from three two for eight from the field overall minus 15 in 26 minutes of play I mean Michael Malone couldn't even play him uh, Bruce Brown played more minutes in this one and Christian Brown almost got there, too I was super not impressed uh, five points in a finals game as a Max contract player it just can't happen man. I mean you're you, this is what you got. You got to come out here You got to hit shots. That's your one duty. That, that's all you do. Michael. Don't swing the rock porter jr Was not out there tonight. He was not hitting any shots and then I, I've been able to tell this from before, but Michael Porter Jr., like normally, like the, the saying is like, shooter shoot, and everyone knows that, you know, like Max Struess knew that, he went over 10, and he came out and he hit 10 points in the fourth quarter on three or four three-point shooting, um, but Michael Porter stopped, you can tell that if he starts missing shots, his confidence goes down, he uh, passes up uh, open shots, uh, he takes con- more contested shots, he passes it away, uh, open shots that he normally always takes, even if it's contested. It was bad. Kentovia's will Pope, he was missing his usual uh, corner threes, uh, horrible defense. I was really, like, those two, they need to step up in game three, or else they're gonna lose again. Because, I mean, we can get into this later, but I, I don't agree with the full point that, like, making Jokic a scorer and not a passer is a thing. But... Denver is zero three when he scores forty points, but doesn't have a triple double in the playoffs. So I mean, something's got to change there. Uh, Jamal Murray just a rough shooting night, seven for fifteen. He he wasn't as aggressive I thought, and as you said, he do, he didn't have that touch on his mid range shot that he normally has. Uh, Aaron Gordon, I mean he he I mean there's nothing. He played a decent game, um, but literally it was just the bench. It was Bruce Bruce Brown and Christian Brown were the were the main contributors because they were the only reasons they were like in the game in the first point. Imagine Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Jamal Murray, they all came, in and, and uh, Jokic, imagine they all were in the game in the second quarter, all scoring, all hitting shots at an elite level, imagine they didn't do that, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami was up 20 at halftime, and the game was over at that point, so I mean, they're the only reason uh, they were in that, but, uh, Then to start the fourth quarter, I mean, that was just, like, inexcusable, man. Like, Duncan Robinson, like, you can't let Duncan Robinson go on that much of a heater. As good of a shooter he is, that was super embarrassing. Jeff Green backing up, like, five feet on him from the three-point arc, and he just hitting one in his face. Jamal Murray with a horrible foul after getting blown by by Duncan Robinson. But what what I will say about Duncan is that, him becoming like a a slasher alongside with his elite three-point ability that could make him a really special player for years to come he's really developed that i mean probably while he was sitting on the bench all regular season he was developing that ability to, to slash like that And he's been really good uh he had that finish on i believe it was michael porter uh when he was flexing on everyone he scored 10 straight points he was getting wide open shots uh it was horrible. It was completely horrible. That was what lost them game. I knew for a fact they were cooked once Duncan Robinson did that. Gabe Vincent was wide open a million different times in that fourth quarter. He scored twenty three points to lead uh, to lead Miami Heat scores. And um, while Jokic did dominate, um, you just can't have the other guys be as bad as they were, and you, they just have to play better defense. They looked uninterested in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and
1: everyone like the media was saying like. He only had um, uh, he only had four assists. Like you know, obviously that's very not Jokic like. But I think it was just more about the other guys not stepping up. He probably would have had uh, around like nine, ten assists if the other guys actually were hitting their shots and playing more disciplined basketball. Because you bring up uh, Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent being open so many times. Like they were being, like they were obviously horrible on defense. They couldn't close out at all. Um, giving them space because like with this miami team. They have so many great shooters like you have to at least make them a little bit uncomfortable um, I do think that miami somewhat slowed down uh, Jokic and Jamal's two-man game even though yeah. Jokic did have 41 points, but Jamal uh, when he is not playing that well They usually don't win um, uh, Yeah
0: yeah i mean going off what you said i feel like most of jokic's points came in the one-on-one iso ball and i agree with that now that you say it their two-man game wasn't working you know the pick and pop the pick and roll jamal getting to his spot for a little floater mid-range uh off the screen you know it just wasn't there and i just want to mention cody zeller should not be in the nba that man is ridiculous if he gets another minute in the rest of the nba finals Jokic is gonna score 40 points again, and he's gonna they're gonna win the game this time. That man cannot play another minute. Cut the rotation to seven. Only guys off the bench should be uh Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry. That's it. D- and maybe Hi- Haywood Highsmith. hey excuse me, Haywood Highsmith. Cody Zeller should not play a single minute ever. I mean, that was like ridiculous, bro. Like normally, like when I say people play bad, like it's like, yes, they play bad, but you know that they can good. That was ridiculous, bro. Like, he couldn't, like, he, he caught the ball and he would just, like, fumble it out of his hands. Like, it was ridiculous. He was so bad. He was getting cooked by Jokic. As a seven footer, you just can't let that happen. I, Cody Zeller should not see another minute, but I'm going to sway away from, like, the Nuggets in terms of what they did bad. I'm going to talk about what the Miami Heat did good because this is not a Denver Nuggets loss. This is a Miami Heat win. Uh, Gabe Vincent, you have to give all the credit in the world to him, man. He, like, is, he's going to get a bag this offseason, but he's probably going to resign with Miami. He scored 23 points, four for six from three. You can't... As much as, yes, there were a lot of uh, different points in the game where the Nuggets left open a lot of shooters, they were hitting some tough shots, man. Kyle Lowry was hitting these crazy threes, like deep threes. He hit, like, a fading left three. Uh, Gabe Vincent hit some extremely contested threes. Jimmy Butler hit a contested corner three, I remember. It, it was crazy, man. I mean, they just had contributions all around. 21 from Jimmy. 21 from Bam. 23 from Gabe Vincent. 14 from Max Struess. 10 from Duncan Robinson. I mean... Uh nine from Kyle Lowry, like these are all contributions, and this is exactly in our finals preview. what we said the X factor for the Miami Heat is gonna be the undrafted guys and the role players, and that's exactly what happened. They won the game because all these role players did what they need to do, and they stepped up in a big in big moments so um huge shout out to Duncan Robinson for that. that completely sparked the whole run. Bam in bio. I wanna give a huge shout out to him. He's both these games he's played amazing uh. I, I knew once he had that and one dunk, uh, another terrible foul by Michael Porter, just an- adding on to his horrible game defensively. Uh, I knew it was over right then. They took like a 13 point lead or something like that. But Jimmy Butler didn't necessarily play bad, but once again, like he was missing a good amount of his shots that he normally hits, seven for 19 from the field. Although he did come up clutch, he had an and one mid range, he had that corner three, like I said. Miami just came up huge down the stretch. You know, it, it, it was pretty crazy to watch because it you could just they were on a complete heater and the Nuggets just could not stop it. No matter what sets they were in, what they did on offense, let y'all get score 41. But if the other guys aren't gonna show up, they're not gonna win.
1: Yeah, and at the end of game two, um, uh, like with around I'd say like three or four minutes, Miami was up 10 to 12, and Denver did make a good run. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I just think. Denver, they didn't deserve to win this game because of how bad they played. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a good shot, but I think at the end of the yeah. day they should have taken a timeout mm-hmm. because, like, like you at that when he's taking that shot, like I could imagine that Jamal is like exhausted, maybe not exhausted, but he's definitely tired and mm-hmm. probably doesn't have the best um, luck shooting that. But, um yeah, what do you what do you think of that? Do you think they should have called a timeout?
0: Yeah, that was a super interesting... I, I've been saying this since because Joe Mazzula does this a lot, uh, and I've just been saying this, like, for a long time now. I think it is the dumbest shit ever when coaches have one, nevertheless, two timeouts, and they let the guys play. That is pretty much like playing 47 and a half minutes of basketball and then saying... Go out there, use your best ability, and find a shot and win the game. No. Basketball is a complicated sport, kind of. Well, you have to create a play. I don't care about getting the defense set, man. I don't care. That's where your coaching ability has to come in. That's right there where Michael Malone has to outcoach Eric Spoelstra and outcoach whatever set that Spo is going to come out in, and he has to find a play that will work. Or just give it to Jokic and let him do. Nobody has been able to guard him all night, even Bam Adebayo. Just let him do his thing. Obviously, it was a good shot. I've seen Jamal Murray hit that shot like a million times just in these playoffs alone But it was so like screwy like he got the ball poked from him with five seconds He had to try to make something they should have called timeout man set up something I don't care how set the defense can get. I will never agree with not taking a timeout. I'm gonna blame Michael Malone for that. That was Unbelievable. I heard him saying the uh, in the postgame interview like uh Exactly the reason why I said like why they don't take timeouts because oh you know we don't want to let them get set you know no I will never agree with that man you that's pretty much saying I don't believe in myself as a coach to outcoach the other coach that's pretty much what you're saying that's pretty much Michael Malone not thinking that he can come up with a good set to outcoach Spo with whatever he's gonna come out and so I didn't agree with that at all as good of a shot it was um uh yeah I'm not gonna blame Jamal at all for that at all you know it was pretty contested but it was a good look but. Yeah, tough loss for Denver, but gritty win for the Miami Heat.
1: Yeah, all credit to the Heat. They played a great game. Uh, Nuggets were just slow all night, and and that last part too. Um, I think Jokic should have got the ball. Um, even they should have taken a timeout and get Jokic the ball. He literally has forty-one points. He's definitely he's obviously got the hot hand. So, mm-hmm. yeah, re- bad decision. Kind of reminds me a bit of like last year's uh, Jimmy Butler shot against. Uh, the Celtics in Game 7. I think they should have called timeout Mm -hmm. because, like, Jimmy Butler's not a sniper. He's not known for Mm -hmm. hitting threes, really. But, uh, yeah, that's all.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. I don't think that was the right call at all. But, um, yeah, that's all I have to say for Game 2. You know, the role players, they showed up. They did their thing. Jimmy Butler showed up in the clutch when he's known to show up. And Bam Adebayo, I want to give a lot of credit to him. He played really good. He was making some tough mid-range shots, like, all game. Like, he was... And that was a, that's another part I want to bring up about how bad uh the Nuggets were defensively and particularly uh Jokic because uh obviously the big narrative about Jokic is that his defense is horrible but then I've been preaching like all throughout like now the finals that Jokic has been really good defensively like these playoffs like just in one-on-one ISOs even in the pick and roll which is what he's known to be really bad in but this game once again he was horrible in the pick and roll Bam Adebayo was getting wide open floaters wide open dunks wide open middies, like left and right Y'all could, and then if Jokic switched on to like Gabe Vincent or Kyle Lowry, they would just, or Jimmy, they, he, they would just blow by him, get yeah. an open shot. He was really bad defensively. But now what we can talk about is, do you think, I'm going to ask you, do you think that it was part of the plan for Eric Spolstra to limit the other guys and let Jokic score? Because as I said earlier, Denver's 0-3 when he scores 40 points uh, this playoffs, but doesn't have a triple-double. Although he did in a post-game interview, like completely shut down a reporter who asked him about that. But do you think that that's like a like legit like uh, strategy that like he can use going forward? Yeah,
1: that's a good question because I think that even though the Nuggets are zero and three when Jokic scores uh, forty or more, I think that it's still a bad idea to just try to shut out the other guys and just let Jokic completely dominate. I still think that there's a good chance that you will lose that game because I mean it was a three point game after all. So I think, I do, like, believe him when he says that, uh, that's, like, false, that's not right, that, um, they were just trying to let Jokic score. Um, I think that, like, I do think that they definitely tried to limit him, but, um, at the end of the day, he just, like, played better by getting 41 points, but, uh, I think it was more just the other guys, like, not hitting open shots as well.
0: Yeah, I mostly agree with that because, I mean, you can't rely on Michael Porter to shoot that poorly again. You can't rely on KCP to shoot that poorly again. But, I mean, it wasn't necessarily that they were, like I said, like making Jokic a scorer and not a passer. I think it was more Mm. just they were completely focused on Jokic. and I mean, as you saw, he only had four assists, so... He didn't get anyone involved, which he normally does. He's normally the entire offense. He gets the ball. He sets everything up. He finds open guys because of just how elite and insane of a playmaker he is. But he wasn't able to do it this game because nobody was shooting good. And Miami uh, had that defensive set. I'm pretty sure they were in a zone defense for a good amount of the game as well, particularly the first half when they uh, went up to their lead. So that might have also been part of it. But yeah, that's all I have to say for game two. If you want to get into any... Uh, game three predictions or anything like that or what you think's uh, gonna be the main X factors for game three main keys for the Nuggets for the heat you can get into that
1: Um, I think that For game three and four because they're gonna be in Miami. Those are gonna be really hard to beat, especially from a team that uh, You know that is the HC like the fans are hungry for a win if not both wins um I think if I had to choose, like, Denver's at least going to get one in Miami. I doubt that they'll get two in a row because of how bad they played. But I think that they're going to be hungry to really, like, turn around what they showed uh, last night. I think that uh, Denver's probably going to take game, if I had to say, probably game four. Because, like, Miami's coming off a really hot run right now. Um, And, yeah, they'll go back to game, uh, they'll go back to Denver um 2-2 two, two.
0: okay yeah because my initial prediction in our uh, last episode was it's gonna be 1-1 one, one after two it's gonna be 2-2 two, two after four and then the Nuggets are gonna win the last two um they're gonna come out in the store but um for game three I think the Nuggets just have to they just have to get other guys involved and I think Jamal Murray just has to be a little bit better because they only they did only lose by three Jamal Murray hit some crazy shots uh uh, to bring them back in the game, as you said, and then they, you know, they had some pretty good defensive stops in the last three min, two, two, three minutes or so. But yeah, I think Jimmy's going to play better for sure in this game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a 30 point game or at least like 25 or more in comparison to his 13 and his 21 point outings in this one. Um, I think Caleb Martin's going to have to step up a little more. He's been really bad these uh, first two games uh, in comparison to what we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals. And for the Nuggets, they just got to play better defense, man. Like, I don't know if they got to get in a zone defense or they got to, like, s- switch some matchups or something, but they got to get something going. Uh, Jokic is going to have to get more people involved. He's going to have to find Aaron Gordon for some more lobs. He's going to have to find some more kickout threes for Jeff Green, for Contavious caldwell Pope, Bruce Brown. I think he's just going to have to do all that, but I'm super excited because game three, this is, m- is probably, like, the biggest game of the entire series because if a team goes to- up 2-1, they have a chance to go up 3-1, which gives them a huge advantage in winning the whole series, or it's tied 2-2 and we have a whole new series. So I think this game is going to be the most important. It's going to be high-intensity for sure, and I think it's going to be a close one.
1: Yeah, and for the Nuggets, I think that I think that you can rely on Jamal potentially having at least a 20-plus point game, mm-hmm. Jokic having a, a good game as well. I think that the X factor would be Aaron Gordon just because of how quiet he was this uh, game too. I think that he has to have at least like 15 plus around that to um, to you know really bring more energy to the guys uh, because that's what they needed last night and they did not bring that at all. Yeah. So Adam Silver came out before uh, Game One in the NBA Finals and said that uh, John Moran will be facing uh his his penalty uh, after the finals because he doesn't want uh, his penalty to overshadow the finals. Mm-hmm. Which I think, like, if you were to say what would happen, I do think that it would somewhat take over. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to get a lengthy suspension. I would say around fifty games, um, and a, obviously a very big, uh, um, be- a very big fine. But I think that, uh, like, this is crazy how it happened for the second time, and we don't have to go over it that much because uh, we went over it a couple episodes ago. But. Um, I think that this is gonna really set a. I think it's gonna be like big enough to where it sets a precedent to uh, every player in the league, where like you really need to watch who you're hanging out with, uh, who you keep with, and who you know you need to leave out of your life, because like John Moran has so much to lose. Like he has the Nike deal. He obviously has like I'm pretty sure he has a pending like uh, extension. Yeah, he has a daughter. You know. Um, I think that uh, this is gonna set a big precedent for every. Player.
0: yeah um i think that the fact that adam silver came out and said i mean t- to me it's just like ridiculous that this is happening in the nba where like you have to wait on a suspension of a guy pulling out a gun on a uh, instagram live to t- you have to wait until after the finals to do it. i just think that's ridiculous that someone would do that man but i think the fact that he says that makes me think that it's going to be a lengthy suspension like you said i I honestly would be surprised if it's less than like half the season. Like, I, I would, I, I'm thinking like 45, 50 games, and at that point, I mean, John Moran, I, I don't even know what the guy man. I'm, I'm not gonna trust a single word bro ever says again. Adam Silver sure as hell, sure as hell is, and he's gonna be kicked out the league. He does it the third time, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Bro said he went to therapy. Bro wrote a whole PR apology. Nothing. I mean, I, I don't trust a single word the dude says, and Jam- John Moran, like obviously, I, my opinion on him is that he's not. Like, he's not, like, what a lot of people, like, set him out to be in terms of, like, a superstar. Because, the, pfft, there is a 0% chance that John Morant will lead the Grizzlies to a championship. He is not a number one option, bro. He, like, y- y- to lead a team to a championship, you have to be a Jokic, a LeBron, a Steph Curry. Like, you have to, be, you have, to have that it factor, you know? Like, you have to have that, John, John Morant does not have that it factor. He does not love the game of basketball. He, I don't even know about him, man, but... One other thing I want to mention with this is like, do the Grizzlies like move on from him at this point? Like, it's a super interesting topic because if you were to say this about any other star in the league, you'd be, and John Moran's like the only like star, I guess. I mean, you have Jaron Jackson, but like, he's technically the only other star on the Grizzlies. So, like, if you, like, for any other team, I feel like if you were to say, oh, we're just going to trade away our star just because he's a bad person outside of the game, everyone would be like, no, we're going to be sent into a rebuild, we're going to be horrible. I don't know, man. The, the Grizzlies have so many pieces. They were, they were, they were better without John Morant last season. They were better in the games he missed. Do you know how crazy? Do they could get a good package? Do you know how crazy it would be to build around Tyus Jones, J- Aaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, and then add all these other pieces, bro? I, I'm honestly, if I had to lean aside whether trade John Morant or don't trade, I would lean to trade him, man. I, the Grizzlies have been really good without, uh. The Grizzlies have been really good without him. They obviously had a better record. They, like, blew out the Warriors by 50 without him in a game. Uh, And then in the regular season, they went on, like, like two seasons ago, I think. They went on, like, a 10-15 game win streak without him. Because, like, yeah. they have all these guys that are, like, equally good and that, like, can play the rules. Like, Tyus Jones, like, you see every single time he has to step in for John Morant, he plays amazing. He's a, he's a better point guard, like, point guard than John Morant. Desmond Bain has his better games. And Jaron Jackson, he's an all-star. He's a defense player of the year. He's a really good player in this league. He's a rising star. I mean, if you if you can trade him for another a good wing, a, a better center than, like, Xavier Tillman and Steven Adams, some picks... I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. I would lean towards trading him. Plus, getting, obviously, the main reason, getting all that, uh whatever, that energy. Or, I don't know how to explain, but you know what I mean. Getting all that out of the building. Uh, I don't know. I would lean towards that side.
1: Yeah, I do think that the Grizzlies would, like, want, maybe not want, but would, like, lean towards more uh, trading job. I don't think any team right now would take him, mm-hmm. just because of how much, because, like, we don't know the suspension. We don't know. Uh, like how he is character wise, like he's off social media right now, mm-hmm. and also I think that I I did hear it was I think it was from Woj like the night of the draft or the night of the draft the night of the lottery picks uh, like the suspension could be so hefty that like it would they purposely would make it like harmful for the Grizzlies in terms of if he gets suspended even half the season like they're obviously gonna have to make different free agent signings. Mm-hmm. Instead of the ones that they wanted yeah. to make, different draft picks. So, like, this really could affect the Grizzlies, like, potentially long term.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm always saying that the Memphis Grizzlies are never going to win a championship with the roster they have right now. And like I said earlier, John Moran, he's not going to lead the team to the championship. So, I think I would be interested, but I mean, You said that, like, no team would take a flyer on him. I would bet every buck that there's at least three to five teams that would 100% take a flyer on him. And, well, it's not really taking a flyer on him. He's a superstar. The flyer on him is his off-the-court antics, which is, like, ridiculous. And, I mean, it is something you have to take into account. But, like, a bad team, like, I wouldn't be surprised if some stupid bad team, like, trades all their picks for John Moran. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. But um, do I see a trade happening? Probably not. If it were to happen, it would probably be, like, next offseason, if I had to guess. But um, do I see it happening, like, this offseason, before the suspension, uh, after the suspension, like, trade deadline? No, I don't see that happening, but so, yeah. All right, that'll do it for the seventh episode of the Triple D's podcast. I want to thank you guys all for listening. We'll be doing another one of these either after games three and four or after each individual game. Not sure, but stay tuned. Uh, subscribe, turn on post notifications, follow us on Instagram and everything at Triple D's Podcasts. We're posting lots of reels on there. Uh, some good content. Go check it out. Uh, David, you got anything to say?
1: You know, I'll go Nuggets.
0: Alright, we'll be rooting for the Nuggets and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.